0: Hey, welcome to the first episode of the Hidden in Headphones podcast. On today's episode, we have Pete of the Slow Motion Cowboys and Trainwreck Riders. Him and I have been friends since we were kids. We took guitar lessons together, played baseball together, toured together, bought records together. We talk a lot on this episode about his new album and the records that inspired him. It's more like two dudes at a bar than a formal interview. Hell, even a cat showed up, but it's still pretty great. As a little side note, We had a bit of an audio issue, so what you're actually hearing is the backup version that I had recorded from my phone. It's not the best, just deal with it. It's the first time I'm doing this, so we'll all learn together. So, without further ado, here's Pete. Sometimes I feel
1: like I'm the only one who remembers the way things were back then. I'm sure there are others Hide under the covers of the walls that been built around them. We didn't have any reason to rush it. We didn't have anything that we wanted to really force, right? Uh, or nothing forcing us to do anything. So we really just sort of looked around for the best person who was available with the right price, who could do two to two inch.
0: Tape, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you guys wanted to do it <coughs> the tape, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Andrew especially was Andrew Kerwin was definitely adamant on doing tape. We have tape because the last two Trainwreck Riders records were on tape. Oh, that's great. So yeah, so we sort of wanted to keep it consistent and had <clears throat> had some tape already, and we just got another reel. Right. And also, I think we really wanted this record to be. Like, a rock and roll record. Like, we did not want to overthink it. We were really adamant at not being there to mix. We wanted to have someone who we were confident to mix it. Right. Give notes, take a step back. We were talking about that before.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that the other night. Like, you were, like, really anxious about it. Yeah, and, yeah, and, well, yeah,
1: because, you know, I have to regulate myself, but also regulate the band, because you can can go over the waterfall. Right. Because there's too many cooks in that band. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, no, this is, no, this is train ride, and right. And with group texting, you can really just get go as crazy as you want. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? You can go super crazy with it. And completely off-topic, and then, you know, with SK involved, it just gets me really <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, we found this guy, Tim Green. Oh, right. And he was definitely coming from, like, a heavy, heavy school. Like, I mean, he recorded... Punk bands in D.C. and he was part of the whole Riot Girl recording process of Bikini Kill and other bands in Olympia. Right. All to you know, basically building up his analog equipment right. as he went along, and um, and then until he went to San Francisco and recorded Melvins and a lot of uh, what was it uh, Comets on Fire and um, Virgil Shaw Silver. Silver Wings, this band so I just
0: recorded with. the records that you love.
1: Yeah, just these that I love and that Andrew loves. I mean, I got into yeah. all the heavy um, Melvin's records and Man's Ruin record, all through the Kerwin brothers, so you know they were my introduction to like stoner, heavy metal stuff, which which I like. It's not necessarily my thing, but I just they um
0: It'll be interesting when because
1: it, when it came down to that record in the context I, I knew, okay. This guy's not fucking around, and and the whole point of trying to make a rock and roll record and not overthinking the record tape recorded by someone who doesn't want to have the computer involved. It's completely different. Without a producer, you're just like you got it, you got the tape. Well, you just don't. You
0: just have to do the tape. You
1: have to do it, and you don't. You can't right. overthink it. It's it's not. I mean, you sometimes are like so can we go back? And you have this sort of feeling like, wait, can't you just click back a little bit and, you know, fade me in, which I'm, everyone's guilty of, I think, these days, but you can't do it. They look at you like, all right, you know? Yeah, we can't. We, we had the baseball game on the computer the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what we used the computer for. It was That was the play-by-play, yeah. um, you know? To listen uh, to KMBR and listen to the Johns. Yeah, just like the pitch-by-pitch on that funny digital screen. It's like... I mean, it was basically the, an Atari could have, you, you know, whatever. Used yeah, a computer yeah, yeah, For totally. something more functional, but, Um yeah, so anyways, with the train wreck record, we just finished it up. We just finished mis- mixing today, and hopefully it's going to come out in the fall. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy with it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's, I don't know. I'm just, You've already heard some of it? Heard some yeah, of the mixes it. Yeah, I just got, I got all the final mixes sent to me.
0: Oh, they're Yesterday. already here.
1: Yesterday. Yeah, so Trainwreck Riders record. And it sounds heavy and crunchy and analog, and it totally is in this great middle area between like a real solid Trainwreck Riders record, rock and Chair. There's like rock and Chair song, you know? <laughs> but then there's also, it's it's a lot more, um, it just has elements. That I don't feel like we've really done before. I don't know. Well, it sounds it
0: sounds like you're really excited about it. I mean, but it goes into like what I was the whole point of of this like podcast thing, which is like it sounds like you picked a guy like that came from your favorite records, and you just did the slow motion record, yeah, which was which was really good. And so it was like, well, you know, if this producer guy did a bunch of your did a bunch of your favorite albums, like what were they? Like what what was like the record that you were like, oh, I really need it to sound like this out of the ones that he's done? of uh,
1: the ones that he's done. You know what I was do? What I realized it was in the process because I would listened to things that he'd done, and it didn't sound anything like Trainwreck Riders. Right. I mean, it really. The only thing that I was really soaked on was that the drums sounded amazing, and everything else sounded really confident, like really upfront. Right. There wasn't a lot of things buried. Like it was really bold. Right. I don't know if that right. makes sense. And so like. When we were recording, though, we actually, he's a really cool dude, and we'd just hang out. After 10 hours being in the studio, and he'd still be, like, talking music, like, after, right? you know, we were all done, and he'd go through, um, you know, Virgil Shaw is, like, one of my favorite musicians, songwriters, and he would recorded him, and he had um, some tracks that had never been released before.
0: Oh, so we had just music lying yeah, around. Yeah, oh, that had music lying be, around. That must have been, that must have been like I a have cool every, experience. I have
1: every Dieselhead record. Every, I right. have tons of cool stuff that I've recorded at his shows, of his bands, of his solo stuff, things right. that he's given me. I was right. at.
0: I went to Kelly Stoltz's Because you're literally the biggest Dieselhead fan, maybe, that I've <laughs> ever met in my life. Well, there, I don't think there's that many. Well, there's you. <laughs> yeah. So at least at least there's you listening and to some Dieselhead. some guy in Eureka. Some guy in Eureka,
1: yeah. right who, like, works at the brewery or something. <laughs> but, you know, I I was... So that was, like... It was funny. It's like I had to find... In the process of recording, we're talking about music that we love, and he had this band, this guy named Fozzie, I don't know, who has this band Silver Wings, and Jello Biafra was on it, and um, some people from that band Tarnation were on
0: it, and that's, Virgil, that's kind of Virgil wild, had a song.
1: Yeah, and Virgil had a song... That was this guy's lyrics, and it was really interesting because I'd never heard him do someone else's song, really, except Dieselhead like backup or whatever. Right. You know, but right. he writes all the songs, so it was this fucking like gem, like the diamond in the rough. Like at 11:30 at night or whatever, midnight in Grass Valley. It's beautiful out. It's warm, and
0: I'm hearing this music. Recorded. hearing this music by your favorite artist by my favorite artist for the day. very no first one's ever heard that no one's never been released. released right yeah so, so. No, one, no one's ever heard it and you've heard it and you're in the middle of like yeah drinking. and I'm like
1: that's what I want
0: selling like. right so we sort
1: of found the context to like then um, go forward and like I think the next day I did my vocals like it was sort of like right before I was going to step in and sort of like do what I needed to do to, to make the record like a train wreck record Right, you know, and he needed to sort of be on the same page too. I think, and um, cause because I that's was, like the last bit. I was telling him, I was like, "Oh, the meat puppets, like, because he's played. He played with the Wipers. He played in Nation of Ulysses. Like, you know, all these great bands. And he's like, "Oh, I don't know the meat puppets. Like." I'm like uh... <laughs>
0: okay, I was like, "Have you heard that CCR
1: record? You know, like, oh, we want to sell like Ramble Tamble on this. Uh, oh, well, I don't really, you know, listen to because
0: see, like, I associate you, I associate you with <laughs> yeah, essentially dude. like three bands, right? Which is like CCR, uh, uh, Meat Puppets, and Dieselhead. Like all the time, those are the records that are like even I when we were kids. Music. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the records that you were like kind of. They like,
1: turned all about. me. Yeah, it turned me on. They're sort of like the pillars. Right,
0: because we both grew up in the same place, but as soon as you got a hold of some of those, then it just, like... The weird it, combo. Thing. It, you know what I mean? But it turned it turned into, like, a different thing. Like, you were, like, all about it. Yeah, you know? I and, think. like, for him to not know who the Meat Puppets are in recording, he yeah. must have been, like, what yeah. are you doing?
1: I know, and that's the thing, is that, uh, I'm, like, fortunately, him not having, a, like, a really, like... Like... He didn't have a um, connection to that music, so he's not going to really try to take that angle. Right. Which is like, okay, well, if that's the case, then we're going to really have a sound that's really just for us because the chemistry of our band is going in this direction and he's, we'll see if it works with what he needs to do. The thing is that I couldn't believe is that he mic'd up all the drums and everything within a couple of hours, and we were we were recording like... Like pretty fast. Into usually I've taken half a day or more to right. to get all your tones and get everything worked out. And no, I
0: he's got that. He came that in. Guy. Yeah,
1: we had it. We had what we wanted, and the drums were like miked and ready
0: to go, and it was. I mean, type, to be fair, the train the snare, the train recorders isn't the Davies Symphony Hall. Like, it's not going to yeah. take a lot, and no. I think that's probably what he was going for, right? No, I think it's just like get a get <coughs> a good snare sound. Get, he knew the studio; it's his studio. Yeah, it's his house. He's it's like, just L- put your drums there. Yeah, and I'll put these mics on, yeah. and then once these mics are on, we're set. We're rolling. I wasn't we're good.
1: Because it, it's just this this house or barn, converted barn off the side of his house. Right. It's called Louder Studios, and there's just like manzanita branches hung on the walls and like tons of instruments and you know it's carpeted and everything is it's really nice and it was just sort of like there's a pool and like there's a bar and a place where we could stay below his house it's awesome yeah so i mean
0: everything was sort of ready was cohesive to like getting work done that's great yeah. that's that's really great So, do you think that, like, he really kind of nailed it once you gave him the idea of, like, what you wanted? Like, once you told him that you were, like, a big Dieselhead fan, he kind of, like... You know, I think he really... He comes from that school, I think,
1: like, those sort of, like, goofy, weird 90s bands where right. you just like throw him sort of like host everything it's just sort of like okay well I'm I live in the city but I listen to country music and I'm in a punk band like he and he lived in Bernal and uh,
0: Portola like by McLaren Park for oh, wow. years oh so he's so, like a he's a buzzard yeah he's a legit buzzard yeah he's a weird guy <laughs> <laughs> no. well I mean you have to be yeah, a weird he's guy
1: yeah he's a musician he's just a night owl and I think that uh, but you know what that was the best part about it is that he, once you start hearing the lyrics, you know, sometimes people in the band even haven't really learned the lyrics to the song, you know, until they hear it played back. Right. You're really just grinding your parts out trying to figure out what you're going to do. And he would sort of give us his perspective on a song. Yeah. And it was funny because when we talk about where we're from and, you know, the initial things that we connected on Tim Green and us, um, he then, in, he sort of like, immediately in that train wreck rider sort of way that I hope that we can do. Yeah. He associated it with these things that. Yeah. He was right on the money. Right. You know, in my opinion, he got what we were trying to do. Yeah, he got it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. What up? What's going on? Rockin'. Rocket. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that Super was Huey the cat. That was Huey the cat. I can fucking edit, shit up. I can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Just keep it real. Um, cool. Well, that's that's awesome. And then the slow motion record. Like you were really excited about that. That's been out now for what, like a couple weeks.
1: Uh, it was like end of April, so. It's oh jeez, has it
0: already been a couple months? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: been a couple months. We got that record out, and we did the record release, and then, um, you know, it's just been in record stores, and I've been sort of like hand delivering them. I know, you've
0: been... <laughs> <laughs> dude, to people. you've been hand-delivering yeah, them to yeah, people, which is, like, kind of on your bike. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's how people are going to do it.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can order it on Amazon, I'm sure. Can you but order it on Amazon? I'm sure you can find it there. Really? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a double-check today and right. see if you can order it from Amazon. I've never used I Amazon, just,
1: so I don't know. Oh, I stop it. You've, you d- get you've get
0: used it. Amazon before.
1: No. You have not used Amazon before. I've got a gift certificate that I'd maybe...
0: Do you need maybe. help with Amazon?
1: No, no, no. It's maybe sell it to you. Sell it to me? Yeah.
0: Oh, you want cash? Yeah. That's how King Pete does it. Cash. <laughs> cash.
1: Um, no, yeah. The record came out, and uh, that was sort of a wild ride, but it always is, sort of with my bands. Basically... I had recorded, been writing a lot and recording a lot with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we recorded something.
1: And with, uh, over at Shipwreck Studios, which ended up burning down, and over on a radio show, like, just touring and recording and writing a lot in the last two years. Right. And it got to the point where we had a studio record that was not done in this label, Arkham Records, Mm -hmm. in Northern Alabama. they just an amazing label, but they were sort, They basically have things lined up a year in advance. Right, so it just didn't know? fit in the schedule. And he's like, what do you got? Because I want to go on tour with you guys, the Pine Hill Saints want to go on tour with you, we want to put out a record do the tour, we want to do this, but we need like what's going on because we of course were talking about it for a long time and every time we'd see them sort of throwing it out there
0: oh hey man you want to come out on tour, we should out on yeah, tour. yeah yeah and exactly, it'd be exactly you know fine.
1: basically with us sort of building things up i mean we were getting to the point where it was finally starting to weave together mm. and i had five songs of from the studio recordings and i had I put together 10 songs of all the best recordings that I'd done right. over the last year, a little over a year, and I sent them both to him, and he was just like, really liked the studio stuff, but he actually thought for that label, sort of being like a country punk, weird, dusty label, like he was like, I listen to it every day, let's put this out. <laughs> And I was like, all right. all right. And he sent me money. What? He sent me money to rec- to um finish the other recording.
0: Oh, the one in L.A.? I had cash from
1: Yeah, he sent me money. He said, let's do this. And he listened to it. He called me back. He said, let's use that money to promote this record. Instead of trying to figure out how to finish that, let's put out these ten songs of all these different, you know, raw tracks, all of its live vocals, all of its just like, I wrote the song. I we were on tour and we just like were just like especially at that time, just like a muscle, you know. Like right. the band was just could go in there and record and it could have the track. Right, ready. I mean, because
0: you guys you guys were already so Which tight just, by that. that
1: a, point. Yeah, and and, and the other half of trying it trying is just you.
0: Yeah. The other half of it
1: is just you, anyway. Which is what people tell me. They you know it's like I always get good feedback when people are like well other one is just like. I hear you and I hear the song right up front. It's not really that common that I have a lot of recordings where I'm right up front. But that's how I write the songs, you
0: know? Right. And
1: that's how you hear them. Yeah. So, and we'd always been talking about it. And then when I'm able to play this label, what I've been working on, they they get it. Right. So it ended up, and then his wife, Katie, this is Jamie Barrier, runs the label with his wife, Katie. And uh, Trainwreck Riders had done a split with the Pinella haints right um a while back and that was, a, that was a very collaborative that was that was a
0: long time ago wasn't it
1: yeah yeah it was long like '07, and um we'd collaborated on art before and so I was really looking forward to like seeing what we could do together so I sent her a bunch of my art and she put together like basically just combined all these sort of scraps of paper and lettering and ideas and little poetry whatever she just put it all together and made the album art
0: yeah which is is uh, awesome
1: it just like all came together in this beautiful streamlined way and it gave me a lot of confidence in terms of like the type of music I listen to is raw you know if I lined up all the favorite records that I love we'll talk about later but they're not overproduced. Right. You've never been into that. You're trying to get to the the core of of the meaning of the song or the honesty or whatever. Yeah. 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 So if you can... This record had that. Right.
0: Not like the rawness that, that you wanted.
1: Yeah. And it sort of, you know, it sort of says something when the people that are attracted to your music are then able to, you know, have a choice in what they're, you know... I think everyone's sort of attracted to the same quality, mm-hmm. but there's also so many possibilities now of like, of what you can do with production.
0: Oh, right! You because know? you can do everything. Yeah, you can because you don't you don't have to be held back by really anything.
1: That, you know, and with our band, you don't want um, to. there's always been this balance lately of people who are who really feel like, oh, well, you can really produce it. We can really do something with this. The sort of LA attitude of okay, let's. Let's take a like a real studio approach to this record. And let's get in the backup singers and let's get the studio musicians and let's <laughs> get everything locked in perfectly. And then there's the like Dusty Buzzard style where it's like, I wanna get
0: two mics in a room. Hit,
1: I wanna fucking hit you as hard as I can, as quickly as I can. Yeah, because,
0: two mics in a room and I want I want more of like the visceral experience rather than just like slicked up. That's who we're playing
1: to and when, you know, that's when I, I, it's really easy to feel gratification from playing in a band like Wreck or Slow Motion Cowboys because right. it's like right up there, right, right up front. And I guess what I mean by that is that there's nothing mediating the person who's, the listening experience right. and the playing experience, the band, the crowd the feeling that you had that was originally there and why you decided to write a song in the first place, all of that is like, there's very little like static in between. Right. So to then put things in there deliberately to separate, I mean, I guess the point is to come full circle and sort of have it all blend perfectly together. Right.
0: That would be the goal, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: is to sort of like add, add so much to it that it then starts to sort of disappear and just sounds warm and nice, but I sort of feel like space emptiness in recording can do that yeah and I was thinking about Dieselhead Records that I really love the reason I love them is because they have these ballads that are like extremely minimal you know Mm -hmm. and it's so tasty and it's not strip country but like the harmony is there and the honky tonk guitar is there right and uh, Danny Heifetz who's the drummer who's the drummer Mr. Bungle too it's just like really tasteful.
0: Yeah. You know, It's like a minimalist sort of like kind of approach.
1: Yeah, it's what you're not playing.
0: If you had to pick a record that you modeled the slow-motion cowboy record on, what would that be? Like, if there was, like, an album that you could say, like, oh, man, when I walked in, I wanted it to be, like, yeah. right up with this one. Like yeah. I wanted it to sound just like that. You know, lately,
1: there's been two two bands that I really have felt that I've I've been thinking about and the band thinks about and talks about and listens to when we're hanging out. And it's Michael Hurley. The way that he records music and Mm -hmm. the way that he plays music is so... so (laughs) It's just like so loose and warm and I don't know. It's just... There's something about Michael Hurley's music that like is... It's just it will totally wipe away like any other records you listen to just by the fact that like listening to it, you just want to listen to it over and over and over again.
0: Right. You just don't want to put it yeah, away. Yeah.
1: Like he has over like 35 records and it's like, you can just go and listen to him. <laughs> 35? Yeah. And it's just How like, long has he
0: been doing music
1: for? Since like 66 or Does 67. he still record now? Yeah. He just put out a new record. Oh
0: my God. Yeah. That dude's on I might career. be wrong
1: on the start date, but definitely in the late 60s. He was on Folkways. It's the first recording. Jeez. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah. And so, I mean, some of it is full band, and they're sort of rocking like a little bar band, you know, and other ones are just him and a out-of-tune b- banjo. But there's nothing in the high... He's not hiding behind anything. And it sounds really warm. And because ha- he has so many records, you can really sort of pick and choose in terms of like, oh, I want it to sound like this. Right. I sort of was like, Oh yeah, well, that makes sense. I'm <coughs> listening to Wild Geese or I'm listening to Hi Fi Snock Uptown or I'm listening to Armchair Boogie. Like those those are records that like have like a little like you know, um just like the drums are really nice and casual behind it and the bass is going and he's doing he's almost soloing the whole time. Right. You know, and then he might do a song just on roads. I mean, to me it's really his songwriting incredible and his the character that he's created
0: for himself right.
1: you know i don't know if it's really him it's this sort of weird it's, a, it's like an stock. alter ego kind yeah, of thing yeah. it's like
0: it's like it's a different it's than like what he actually stock. is it's like some dr octagon yeah. stuff where he's just like kind yeah, it's of like the dr
1: octagon in vermont <laughs> um playing at like a ski lodge <laughs> <laughs> you know wearing like a where's Waldo Dr.
0: Octagon like, wearing a skew yeah with like you know? a where's Waldo beanie and sitting by a campfire
1: yeah kind
0: of like that living room yeah. the living room slow motion cowboys tour just with Dr. Octagon
1: yeah well just the idea like of the of the character you know that's what uh, I was actually listening to an interview with George Clinton yeah and he was saying how you know like a character lives forever right you know you only you as a person you know you're a human being you know, you only have short time on this world or whatever, you know, he's... But, but, uh, he was saying that the character really could get to the point where...
0: Have you thought about doing that? Have you thought about just, like, doing a record? Like, I was telling you that you should have done something completely different, and instead of doing a slow-motion record, you could do a record call it something else and go and do something wild and crazy and off-the-cuff. Like, do, like, the 90s alt-rock that we grew up with or something and call it something else. You know, it would be, it would be you, much like like James Brown did that with, like, the JBs and stuff. Yeah, and you know,
1: that, that's, I guess. I mean, to me, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I do know that I have this idea for the Birdhouse Town. Right. And the Birdhouse Town is the next project that I really want to work on, which um, i can talk about later, but it definitely is a character that is not Pete. You know, right. And it, it's sort of the werewolf, you know.
0: Right. It's the buzzard within us.
1: Yeah, and, and the process is sort of like, it's sort of, you know, uh, the search for a buzzard's soul as he flies above the edge of the abyss, you know. Yeah. Sort of like that type of imagery. And I and I like, can relate to that, and there's definitely like parallels in the story to my life, but...
0: That kinda of got dark. <laughs> the character
1: in it is someone else, yeah. It's like the werewolf. You know?
0: Yeah. That, That's super interesting. That, That'll yeah. be a cool project. That'll be a cool thing to try.
1: Yeah. So that my, that is sort of something that I've been thinking about. But but in terms of like getting two out there, you know, I still feel like like I still don't feel like I've used up the well of where I've, of the music of yeah. uh, the buzzard songs, you know, it's like it's still really fresh and I'm still writing lately, like and coming up with ideas that to me are maybe I don't know, just really trying to you know, follow the muse, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. Well what are you what are you listening to now besides besides uh the the person you just mentioned earlier. Yeah, Michael Hurley, besides like Michael also Hurley. this
1: guy big kitty, which is um was Shaughnessy got me into and Daniel Westcott got me into that is this um guy from Chattanooga who just moved to Sebastopol actually like I don't know how we got so lucky but he moved to Sebastopol he had a record on Recess Records out of San Pedro and he had a bunch of recordings that he hadn't put out. Daniel used to play drums Shaughnessy had a ton of unreleased things and I came home from tour or from maybe it was a trip out there with her in Chicago yeah. and I played it for Andrew and um, ends up Hannah's really good friends with his wife with Clark Williams the oh band, okay they're friends Andrew heard it um, Booth got into all the homies got into it all the it. homies got into it and then I started it's so good that you realize that everybody who hears it you just end up having that connection Because you sort of, you just fall in love with this guy. I mean, it's just incredible music. And his Recess Records record has sort of got a little bit of that, like, Ghana Records, like Southeast Rock and Garage Rock, Rock and Roll. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not Ghana Records, but definitely that garage, Southern Garage Rock feel. But then he also played uh, in, like, a traditional band. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he has a lot of these solo recordings or... Traditional recordings or fiddle tunes that he did and then he put out this record Florence which is just sort of ai would say like you know, it definitely has like some weird parallel um, I don't know I don't want to compare it to too many bands because it really does not sound like anybody else but to me listening to these records like that he has and being able to look at, you have these really great raw recordings right. and the studio records this record, Florence especially, is amazing in terms of like a, a good rock and roll studio record. It's just, it's just like
0: a nice rock and roll studio yeah, record. Yeah, like it, it's, sounds like, it sounds
1: like you would not want to change anything. You know, it's a great right. recording. And then, But also having like the hookup through Friends of like all the demos and stuff that luckily I was able to get. You know? Right,
0: right. And, and that's always the best thing, right? Is that Because like, I played people, good I used to play but people like Huey. Mean, Huey over here. I used to I used to uh I used to play people the demo that we did. I played people a lot of that stuff and people were like freaking out. And I think when people hear demos like that they kind of they get really excited about yeah, about it's the not, stuff. I mean, a secret. Especially when you're really into it. Yeah. It's like you're like super involved and you're like look at listen to this, like no one's heard it before and
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, that combined with sort of the situation where I was sort of going, like, whatever, set up the mic, we'll play, anywhere, anytime mentality. Right. The slow motion cowboy record, In Exile, on the Mesa, it's sort of about, that's sort of what what it's about. It's sort of like not living in San Francisco, being sort of thrown out to the world, and these recordings are sort of, like, gathered from my experience of being sort of uprooted. Right. And also us recording in Taos, which is like the Southwest of New Mexico, is like a very safe place for us
0: yeah because you you've got there a
1: bunch, yeah and we feel really comfortable, people love the music uh it it's made us better musicians and sort of like breathe life into the band because you're not fighting the d j yeah men's culture you know you're not you're
0: not fighting you're not fighting to get a spot to play like an open mic night like yeah, you're just
1: i mean or just the fact that like people don't value or even expect uh Like good music anymore, right? In San Francisco, at least, I I feel like there's there's pockets and there's definitely people holding it down. But the general public, like if you play them like a song, if you if you just sit them down and play them a song, they're gonna just look at you like you're crazy. They they might love it, but they're like they're not getting sat down and played a song very often, right? You know they're you know listening to this whether having a DJ you know shove a beat down their throat. I don't know. It's, like, to me... its like so
0: much electronic music, but it's not enough.
1: To me, it's just, like, definitely just a lot of quantity, you know?
0: Yeah, and not, not a lot of quality.
1: I'm sure, like, there's good electronic music out there somewhere, but to me, like, most of the time, it's just plain. It's sort of just, like, music just plain, and people expect that. And then that just sort of becomes what people pay to just go see. Right. You know? And... The only nice thing about that is that it makes the scene of the people that are still, you know, writing music and playing instruments, very tight knit. Right. You know, but I don't know, like the whole idea of like being in the club or not to me it's like I'm pretty. I, I get a little nervous about that because like it's not like some crazy, uh, exclusive thing, you know. Right. Like, folk music or rock. Folk and music roll, and know? rock and roll, whatever. Like, whatever, whatever. Well, I think folk music. Doing, I think folk music is a lot more. Should be exclusive. Right. And I think don't folk music. Point at
0: it folk music which is what you're essentially doing now is very much a tight knit club because there's a big, well just it's because of, to and just because of the sheer numbers of it right I mean like the amount of people actually playing and I mean and I mean this in all sincerity but the people playing good bluegrass music doing it the right way um, bluegrass. The, the right bluegrass, bluegrass way and, and, and all that like that, that's a small club yeah I know? don't consider
1: myself part of the bluegrass club but I love that type of music and the people that I do know that play it really tight-knit there's not that many people in san francisco that play you know? right but they have their scene and, and i've gotten to know some of them but it's funny if i go to a, a jam yeah I have no clue like there is no like i've like you have people i've met that have played in the city for 20 years and there's an i don't know one person in common right you know? Like, how is that possible? I can go to the bar right now and, like, have some...
0: We could, we could get on the bus right yeah. now. We could take Bart <laughs> right back into the city. Yeah. That's and we like... could go see, like, ten people that we know yeah, between here and Yeah, talking to
1: that. someone who plays music, and they play music every, you know, all day. And they're cool, and they're into the same type of music. They, and they love traditional music, and they're down to earth, and they're right. drinking whiskey and bullshit, and you don't have, a, a, like, any overlap. <laughs> at all is like what the f- where have you been or where have I been right you know and I think it is true that people you know bluegrass is, is different because I feel like you have like I feel like it's just it's not universally it might be more popular than it was but bluegrass itself is still appreciated by a few people right like that are diehards where you might have rock and roll or surf or some some sort of like band that plays out at bars, you know, right. be a lot more accessible than most people. Where I've had people whose music taste I really love, right. like SK and he he's like, I can't stand bluegrass. I can't
0: do it either. Yeah, and but I, but know, I, but we I have great with taste
1: it. in music or you know, I I you know what you're talking about. Taste is
0: relative what, I, are, what, what, what are you trying to say there? <laughs> what are you trying to say I guess
1: what I'm trying to Listen, say,
0: we all is, we all have our digressions, okay.
1: Yeah. Guilty, Guilty pleasure. Guilty <laughs> <laughs> pleasure but that's and I don't know if I'd be willing to say the bluegrass is a big pleasure of mine. No, of course not. Depends on who I'm What
0: would, what's your favorite bluegrass record? Um, well,
1: that's a good question. I the bluegrass records that are my favorite are sort of not considered traditional bluegrass records, you know. But like Holden right. in the Way" record is right. beautiful, um uh, Sea Road Mountain is beautiful. Those are not really traditional those are traditional bluegrass records at all, you know right um, but in ter- I would say like uh, the Stanley brothers like this I have this live record of them in Maryland, and that to me is the beautiful you know beautiful representation of bluegrass It's live it's right there. they're just uh, hooting and hollering and telling jokes and selling merch it's it's like. Hey, that to me is my favorite bluegrass record cuz right. there's they just the guy just was a fan and he just stuck a mic in front of the stage and it's like 25 songs and there's also there's also just it's just really raw and, and right. the Stanley Brothers and I you know Bill Monroe anthology like there's Doc Watson records I love but in terms of strict bluegrass record I don't really say that I would have one right it would be more of the sort of hybrid cerebral holding the way Right. sort of.
0: Steve Earle always kind of like,
1: yeah, like some, pushed it a little bit. Yeah, he's a songwriter. He's a Texas songwriter, doing writing a bluegrass record. Holding in the way was, you know, the West Coast songwriter vibe, hippie vibe mixed with like the traditional bluegrass Bill right. Monroe um, players like Vassar Clemens and, and mm-hmm. Peter Rowan. Like, I mean, they're like A-list, you know, first call bluegrass musicians. You know, and they played in. in bluegrass boys you know so yeah I think that sort of actually says a lot because I don't really feel connected to those pure forms even though I love listening to them to me what really I connect with is some sort of like songwriter interpretation using a platform or like using that bluegrass or that traditional bass right but the idea of trying to recreate old time songs is not what I'm into or what I'm trying to do
0: right you know what would you say? What would you say is like the, the first the first time you heard like a, like an old folk record that like really, kind of like connected with you on that kind of a level, right? Like that like songwriter kind of telling a yeah. story kind of a thing. You know,
1: I you know it was freewheeling. You know, had that effect, but it was so intense I couldn't really listen to it. I remember. How old were you? Um when you picked that up I mean shit like your dad might even given it to me like I remember having it having the record at 15 because I moved downstairs and up the record player in my room and that record was on the turntable so I don't remember buying it but I was like I remember your pops gave me a bunch of records yeah dad gave you a yeah, bunch because you, you got that and I had, a bunch and of I had some of his and then yeah.
0: you had some from your pops
1: there was that freewheeling record and it I remember literally like I could only I was also just, yeah, it was like a really hard time, but like that sort of was where I saw the singers. Uh, he basically was invented the singer songwriter. That was the first singer songwriter that sort of took this literary, uh, took the traditional angle and added his own urban, weird character, you know, right. to it. And then at the same time, you know, it was really derivative of Woody really trying to sort of reach for something, you know. Right. Later on, he... I mean, I, th- I don't think he's always tried to reach for some sort of old, traditional, roadhouse style, but, like, Dylan definitely took it in his own, you know, directions where it, that is Dylan, but those early records, that first record. I also... You know, in terms... Of, you know... I'll try to think... You know, that Nashville Skyline record too, was, which isn't really like, I guess it's, it's like a folk rock record, but right. that to me was amazing. Um, and then when I moved to Olympia, and I heard the Carter family, and I heard Bill Monroe and the Stanley Brothers, and there was such a rich folk, traditional music... Like tradition in Washington that I had no idea about.
0: Right when you moved to, <laughs> I was moving to
1: Olympia. You know? I, I
0: remember when you came back from being in Olympia like the first year or whatever, and you came back for like a holiday or something, and I was in town, and it was like totally different. You were like, there's like country music like everywhere. Yeah, yeah. there's like there's like folk music like everywhere.
1: Yeah, and we could play every night. I was used to having to play in the basement, you know, and talk to the neighbors, and like that was disappearing. Right. By, like, 99, 2000, when I was leaving, like, that was like, we, the, in a rich man in Bernal, we were getting shut down, people were calling cops, people were moving into the neighborhood. My and dad was screaming at police <laughs> officers. Yeah, I mean, like, we <laughs> didn't know who was moving onto the block, and then the cops fucking shut up. And then out. the cop shot. And you're like, you knew your days were numbered because there was nothing that we were doing different. It was Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, who cares? You know, we would do we weren't pushing it like we would we would practice the 7 for years Andrew played the 615 for years before that yeah you know Andrew so played for years the, at the, 615 yeah so the idea and uh he was telling me that there used to be this old band in Victorian that they used to to j- of jamming too out out in the outer Richmond and you could do that don't call the cops don't oh, call the cops it's, yeah, the it's the outer like, Richmond no one, no one I don't even I think it was like Someone had passed away, and it was going to be sold, but it was just sort of laying there empty, and they just it was their clubhouse. this beautiful, old gutted Victorian, you know shit like that you could really like get away with. and then when I moved to Olympia and you could play acoustic music and people, it was just like, I don't know, I, to me, it was really, really cool.
0: yeah and it I really was not, time. and
1: I did not need to like flex my punk rock credibility, if, 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 if even I have any. Right, but sure. But like a lot of the... Um,
0: but you're scene, in a great a honey scene, cover band. Thank
1: you, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of the scene in Olympia was all about that, but to me, it was... I the pretension of that was such a, was so ridiculous to me. Right. Coming from San Francisco, it was like...
0: Well, we're... You know, I mean, like it's kind of a, the Bay Area is super pretentious about itself. You know... A I lot guess, of the time. I, I mean, I mean, so, I mean, it's okay for like us to LA, talk about it. I know? mean, it's not L.A. pretentiousness, but it's a different... It's a different kind of pretentiousness, for sure. I
1: guess so, but I didn't feel it. Maybe I don't ever felt like I was exclusive, or, or that there were, like we felt like we were better than anybody. But I did feel like you could be around really, really, if not like famous, famous, like really talented, locally famous people, and it wasn't a big deal. Right. You know, like if you're right. hanging out with Maddie Love or whatever, it's not like you're gonna act like, too cool for school. You're just right. To, yeah, like, you know, whatever. You're just going to drink a 40 and relax. Right. You know, and so why would you have some way of, you know, treating or acting like you're too cool for school when all the cool people around you aren't acting that way? Right. You know? And you just, everyone's just in it together. And, you know, right. And, you know, there's the Mission Burrito Project, there's spark Station shows, there's Mission Records. Dude, all those Bark Station and, and, shows. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, I knew... Maybe this was the pretension. I knew that this was like I thought this was the coolest fucking thing. It wasn't like, oh, it used to be better or this, this or that. Right. No, it man. was. It was yeah, the time. This, this like, is. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. There
0: wasn't any other time. It was yeah. the time.
1: And also, I, I didn't <clears> want to start a band because I'd already seen like Tyson, uh, yeah. to playing and Zane like playing Sixteenth Emission. I'd seen.
0: IBM. That was before the Two Galants, right? When Tyson was playing. Yeah, born he
1: was in a band called Crime and. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And there was like Allergic to Bullshit and Miami and like Shotwell and like all these bands. And um, so I, I wasn't like, like I knew that's what oh, I want to start a band and do that too. And right. Then you do it. So right. You're like, you do it. So you sort of feel like, okay, that's extreme, like really gratifying. And then when I took off and got, went out to Olympia, it was uh, like I didn't feel like, oh, everyone here is doing something amazing where I can't talk to them or be cool with them. Right,
0: know? right. Exactly. Because there's no
1: wall between me and the cool kids. So any time that there was, or that presented itself, I was like, "Wait, I wanted to go, no, nothing yeah, to, do I would that. go to the other side of town and I tried to meet different type of people and the people I met were like playing jug bands and bluegrass bands and jug bands yeah dude I couldn't I can't deal with the jug bands I can't I can't deal with them anymore
0: yeah 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 I mean but they were like (laughs) like I just
1: couldn't and 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 this girl she didn't she had a pinky the girl that played wash tub Washed up. Allison. <laughs> she played washed up, and she had her pinky cut off.
0: No When way. she
1: was um, working on a salmon, like industrial salmon fishing boat, and she was like, would put the, the salmon and cut off the head. She was working on the assembly line. Yeah. And she said that she just was, and then she just, someone said, uh, is that your frank finger over there? And it, she just had stuck her finger, and it's cut it right off. And then the assembly line kept going. And so, yeah, and so they just put it in a bucket of ice, sewed <laughs> it back on, and she had the perfect wash tub base finger hand. <laughs> and that Dude, was who I met. That
0: was who you met. You know, so that was who you I was met. like,
1: well, okay, this is better than some you know, Yeah, I mean, man, those, young, those
0: stories, cool. man, that's, you know, She's too much. Still up there, I think. And, uh... And like, well, that was definitely like a huge part of your life. I mean, those college years were like... Because you were still playing with the writers at that point and still doing yeah, yeah. your own shows.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was coming... That was the one thing. I, I never really committed to living up there full time. Like, I was always coming down. You were always at there, too. Because there was so much going on. And, and, then I, and then I got in some trouble up there and I came back. For like seven months or eight months. Right, I remember and that's those when we started really kicking in
0: here. That's when that's when you that's when you would call me from random places in the city from pay phones, and you'd be like, "Yo, dog, where you at?" Yeah. And I'd be like, "I'm I'm at home. You wanna come by? Give me a ride." <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. I'll give you a ride. Like go back to it. I mean, like I mean, like what are you doing? Like why why are you here? And you'd be like, "Ah, oh, you know, you know, man."
1: Yeah. Well, I think that I was like. And, and it was also just the form, form formation of a crew of people that I'm still extremely close with. Sure. And inspired yeah. by the people I live with where we're doing this, like I met during that time, you right. know, how many years later. So, I mean, that was, that was really important. But, yeah, living in Olympia and, and getting into that type of music. So in terms of, like, folk music... That really affected me. I think, like, going to a place where you could, where it wasn't just, like, a old Dylan record. It was, like, you're going out to the woods, and you're going to, like, you know, get out there and play music all the time. Right. And learn how to sing. Right. And, and try to learn something, you know. It was just people, it was, runs. like, it was, like,
0: almost more, like, encouraging because there you were yeah. you, you, you had the ability like, like and I people book shows right right you could book shows, like, right, right. I I was, like, shows all day you
1: know, I was booking to the Monster town I was booking the Holy Ghost Revival I was booking all the homies through Olympia yeah, yeah. Anyway, so then right. I could bring that to the table where I would book shows for, for that time
0: right and then like but you, you got the confidence back to be able to do that stuff because down here it was like you weren't you weren't playing a, you were playing shows but it wasn't like the same as it was up there where you were like playing all the time People's living rooms. I mean, like, when we went on tour together, could, yeah, you, you you were still playing living rooms. Like, yeah, yeah. it was still, like, that kind of a party up there. It's still
1: that way, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember sleeping in people's living rooms. I'm not yeah. playing. Yeah, but I mean, like, we played in the living room. That
0: was for sure. I, I don't know. I
1: think I was playing tons of shows of tons of different... The venues got more legit, but... Yeah. Re- Excuse me. I think really what I was trying to do was find some, like, replenish the well, you know, like, find something to really, like, grab onto and push mm-hmm. forward. Like, where is this going? What's this music thing? What do you want to do with it? And so when I was able to take the songs I was writing and play them with, like, traditional instruments, it just, like, opened up. Right, it changed a whole game for Yeah, you. but I always had this rock band, too, that I could right. just go fucking crazy in. Right. And if anyone's seen the Trainwreck Rider show, it's like, I feel like that's as much, that's as, hard, that's, as that's as hard as I want to go. Like, I can get it out. Right, I can right. exercise the demons in that band. So right. then being able to, like, quiet it down and really focus on, like, parts. And that's when I also started recording the tape. Like, I had an experience of that, too. Like. And uh, instead of Pro Tools, which is what i had done before, it was like, okay, it was a totally different approach. And then the song, whenever that happens with me, I usually end up writing songs. like. I'm yeah, because really then, cause, cause then
0: it starts to, like, get you going. You start yeah. to, like, think about what you're actually doing. Yeah,
1: and it just sort of, like, opens up, like, a vein, you know, and you can just, like, let it go. And that's what I'm always looking for, is like, what's going to be the inspiration to keep writing? Because there isn't a... There
0: just isn't a formula. Right. So, Well, there shouldn't be, yeah. right? There shouldn't be. Like, there shouldn't be a formula. You should be able to just... I mean, like, with the way you write... Because you write stories. That's the thing. I've always been a fan of yours because you write good stories. You've always written great stories. It's almost like the way that, like, Johnny Cash writes great stories. You write great stories. So it's like there shouldn't be a formula for that. Yeah. You know? Thanks. You know, I
1: mean... I don't know. You don't. You don't want to overthink it. That's definitely the truth. And I'm glad that you say that. You know, I write good stories because I don't feel like I write very clearly. Like I don't feel like I'm too. I try not to be too obvious.
0: Right. Well, because you don't want to be. Why should you be too obvious?
1: Yeah. Like I heard somewhere, they said the more literal you are, the less you, the farther away you are from
0: the truth. Right. You
1: know. So it's sort of like I won't.
0: Well, you also want people to, like, kind of get their own kind of pictures from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, like when, when we were kids listening to records, it was always like that. Like, the records, we were, nobody was, like, super literal,
1: right? Mm-mm. I mean, not really, or we didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know what they were <laughs> they talking about. They were, but we didn't know, <laughs> have any context for it, so we just sort of put our own, you know, we sort of imagined, and fantasized what it was all about. Yeah. And definitely, like... Where you are, what place you are in your life when you hear a certain record, that is gonna dictate like your love, your experience, how you look at it, like what you get from it, um, and that can be totally different, you know, from one person to the next,
0: right? Totally, um,
1: yeah. I think with my songs, I really hope that people. I, I really one I don't tell people what they're about like, even if they ask me I usually try to not to give yeah. them give them any hints even though sometimes I wish I could <laughs> but I just don't want to you know it's dangerous territory right and, and it really sometimes
0: will change their whole way they listen to the song it's like, you don't really well because you don't want to give that. them the ending yeah exactly you don't want them you don't want to give them the ending you want them to figure it out or you want them to come up with their own conclusions about it uh-huh. like that like that song that A K wrote about um, about his ex-girlfriend, who we won't name in this podcast because it might, people might hear it, is uh, is the one, you know, when he, when he writes about that, like, that could be attributed to anybody, but because yeah. we know the story... Are you sure it's about her? Maybe? I don't know. Really? I it was about me. No. It's not about <laughs> you. It's not about you. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. I don't that. <laughs> even know what song you're talking
1: about, but I do...
0: You know what song see I'm talking what about, you're to but, say, but you see what I'm saying, that right?
1: He has specific motivation we, for writing
0: it, and we, but we, we he also know something completely we, different. We also know that what's behind the curtain, other people don't, so they have oh. to get their own idea, right? So we know, we I know the story. So like, there's certain songs of yours that I know. I know the stories. So like, when I listen to them, I know exactly what you're talking about, who you're talking about, what situation like erupted with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for the most part. Oh yeah, <laughs> There you oh, yeah. go. Oh, yeah. Well, for, for the most part. But that's I mean, what
1: we're talking about.
0: You right, know?
1: right. It's like you have... You have... You're certain you know. Right. You know? And you're like, but is that really the case? Like, who cares?
0: Right, but who cares in the end? You know? Who cares?
1: Yeah, you, you know, you're my closest friend in the world. I'm not going to tell you you're right or wrong. Right. You know. But, then but now
0: I'm interested, so now i got to ask you. <laughs> <it.
1: laughs> I could tell you more about where I was... You know, when you wrote when it, when I wrote it, or right. when I recorded it, like what—that well, was one thing about when we recorded uh, those songs down at Mission Recorders. like that was in such a heavy place. I was there was a lot of things that I was um, thinking about, and I, I was losing my place, and um, you know, like things with the cat, and things with my living situation, and things with my work, and things with relationship it was all very in turmoil that weekend right you know it's like and sometimes you can sort of you know, take care of it other times it's where you know it's right there on the edge um and i remember going into the studio and walking in there and then something the two of us i think just your presence calms me down whether we're talking at the bar or when we're you know hanging throwing the ball around or whatever you know it's like then i listen back Right. right there, but it's also relaxed, you know, because right. sometimes you can't function
0: when things are really hard, you know? Right, you but, can't. You can't do it if know. it's too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And now, you know, it's such a great place with my living situation and really everything in my life. Things are, are feeling really good today. So, you know, I don't know, like when it comes out of recording, like if I we recorded some music today, you know. What, what that would sort of present?
0: Yeah, it would probably be a little bit. It probably be a lot different. Yeah. Than what it was before. Yeah. Well, when I
1: record a song.
0: <laughs> Maybe we could record a song. Well, we got all the stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. I got the sitar right. You got here. the
0: sitar right here. We could do. We could lay down all the George Harrison. Huey's drinks. on bass. Stewie's on bass.
1: Stu's
0: on. What's up, Stu on am Cassio. I'm sorry. I'm putting the cat. Oh. Okay. And so the last thing that I'd like to ask. Since we're since we're coming up on the hour, we did that really fast. That really that really didn't take much time. Um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me. I just want to let everybody know there's a big orange cat. There's a, there's a big orange cat, cat. right on yeah, the table, right and sh- and now the big orange cat is in the middle of trying us, to drink my trying beer. to drink your beer. That's a little bit too much. Um, okay. I want you to name. I want you to name your five favorite records of all time. Can you do it? Do you think you can do I it? I think
1: I can. I've been preparing for this my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Duke. I don't think you know. I'm not. This is you know. I always. This is my like high fidelity moment, right?
0: Right. Um, right. So I I, I want to know.
1: Well, and the I think people want to know. You know what? Really
0: the people want to know. It's a tough. It's a yeah, tough fucking it's question. really a hard one.
1: And you know what? What makes like your top five? You know. Was it there when you, you know, had your first kiss, or, you know, was it there? Or is it just the record that you listen to the most, you know? Right. I think, um...
0: Without any quantifiers, living in a vacuum, somebody okay. who just... If you were the like... Desert Island. Desert Island, Top 5. Like, top these five. records are the records that I think are the, are the best five records that you could yeah. ever buy.
1: Yeah. That me personally, or that somebody else?
0: D- whatever. If you were going to tell okay. me who your top five
1: Okay, is. well... I think that, like, we have to start with Neil. Neil Young? Yeah, because... Me, no, no, no. I'd say, you know, to me, tonight's the night. Not only is just, to me, like, the rawest, weird group art experience that doesn't have any context... Of anything else besides itself, really. I mean, there's some blues licks, but like I don't know, they're so wasted and it's so weird. And even the way that they cut it and mixed it and put it together, I can't really think of anything that's like it. Right. Tonight's the night, Neil Young, top five. Because also, I could
0: just listen to it over and So that's number before.
1: five. Oh, are we doing it in order?
0: We can do. We can do. We, can, I'm we just don't sort of throw five. So out throw there. five out okay. there. We don't have to do it in order. Second,
1: I would definitely say. Me Puppets too, because Me Puppets 2, not only did I listen to it, probably more than any other records that I have, like, it's, it's like a good length, you know, so you get your money's worth. Right. And also, um, it taught me that you can, like, basically punk rock is like whatever you make it to be. It's like the Mike, Mike Watt school of thought, you know, like, like pop, punk rock is, whatever the fuck you want to make it because there are no rules. And, I don't know, that was a really big deal for me because it seemed like music always had rules. Right. Like even the, the great music, all the, you know, the old R&B and soul music that I grew up with, like, it's very, very rigid in terms of the recording, in terms of the style, in terms of the harmony, in terms of, like, like everything is in its perfect place. right. And what makes it good is that they, it's, you know, it's just the vocals and the, the feeling is so raw. Yeah, it's such and a that, raw record. It's just, it's just that beautiful combination, but like, Beepubbies too is just like, it just completely owns the weirdness of it.
0: Ugh, I know, the recording cut off. Well, that's what happens when it's your first time. I'll put together a full list and I'll put it on our website so everyone can take a look. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. I wanted to give a huge thank you to Pete for being my first guest. Once a Bernal kid, always a Bernal kid. Watch for more episodes from us featuring more of my friends. Subscribe, review, email us, do all the things. In the meantime, watch out for that new Trainwreck Riders record, which I heard at Pete's house and is absolutely incredible, and pick up the new Slow Motion Cowboy record. I played a song from it earlier in this podcast, and it's absolutely an incredible album. Thanks so much for listening, and keep an
1: eye out for us.